Our study today is entitled Stretch. Stretch. How many of you enjoy stretching your body out when you first wake up? It feels good, doesn't it? When your body's been sleeping for a long time or just sitting down, maybe you were on a car ride or on a bus or a plane and you've been sitting down for a long time. After a few hours, you want to get up and stretch your body out and you feel your body just come back to life, right? Um, How many of you know what it's like to feel stretched and it doesn't feel so good? Yeah, you know, like... um, my chiropractor, she does this test with me, and she says, okay, I need to see how far you could go. I said, what do you mean how far I could go? She goes, I want you to touch your toes. And I go like this, and I'm like, oh, it's not. And then little by little, she says, I want you to practice reaching lower and lower to touch your toes. And the more and more I go, I, I keep trying, you know. But the, the more you stretch, the more you get used to it. If you're not stretching... And you try to do something really drastic too quickly, like put your nose on the ground, then you're definitely going to tear something. Okay? That's physical stretching. Maybe you've been uh, playing with a rubber band, and you think, wow, this is fun, and you like to feel that tension as you're stretching the rubber band. But if that rubber band isn't primed, and you, you it maybe it's cold and you pull it too quickly, it just kind of breaks. It kind of snaps. It's spread too thin and it doesn't have that elasticity anymore. Sometimes if you get stretched too fast, it could break us. Right? Our first section in our study today is called Spread Thin. Spread Thin. And we're going to be reading a few passages here from the books of Zephaniah, Job, and Psalm. And the the verses are right up here on the screen. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. He's talking about complacency here. People that are settled in their ways and, you know, they're not doing anything. They don't worry about God. They're like, well, God won't really act. He's not going to do anything good. He's not going to do anything bad. And we're just looking at the attitudes of the people in these verses. Let's go to the next one. Who is the Almighty that we should serve Him? What would we gain by praying to Him? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. Now many people live their lives with attitudes about God that kind of place them on the back burner. We say that we're Christians, we say that we're Christ followers, we say we believe in God, but we're not living our lives that way, being mindful of His presence in our life. A lot of the time, He's an afterthought. A lot of the time, we're dealing with the things that are right in front of us, but we forget about God. When we have these sorts of attitudes, we might feel like, where is God? Is He really acting? Is He really doing anything in my life? What is your attitude like as you're living your life with God? Is He part of your everyday? Do you see God as being relevant in your life? Or do you live your life the way that you want to and not the way that God wants wants for your life? 
How are you living your life? You know, if we're not living for God, we tend to be very egocentric. And we live to serve only our own self-interests. This self-reliance often results in a stress-filled and anxiety-ridden experience as we spread ourselves thin. Have you ever tried to just live life and make sense of it and God wasn't part of that equation? And you wonder, what is my life for? What's the purpose in life? And you try to do all these things. You try to make sense of it, so you take on a new job, you stretch yourself, and you start spreading yourself thin. I want to be with this group of friends, but I also like those people. I want to be with those people too. I want to be at church, but I also want to be at the club. You know, and you start to spread yourself thin. I want to work, but I also want to go on vacation. And you try to do too many things at one time. I want to take care of a dog, but I also want a cat. You know? And um, you start to spread yourself a little thin. If God's not at the center of your life giving you purpose, i got to ask you then. What do you believe your purpose is in life? Living a life without purpose makes you feel a little uneasy. It makes you feel for yourself that you're a little bit frightened of how you're going to start approaching life, right? So you start, when we feel that way, we start to feel a little bit When we spread ourselves thin, we start to act as though we have everything under control. If you've ever been afraid, you want to do everything to make sure that you don't feel afraid anymore. Right? But a lot of the time, maybe you understand what it's like. When you rely on yourself and you can't even trust yourself, you start to feel stressed and you start to feel the anxiety creeping up in life. There's a verse in Hebrews 13.5. It says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Hebrews 13.5. Do you feel secure when you don't have money? Depends. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> okay, Think of the money that you have today. And I come up to you and I say, excuse me, I need to help you clear your bank account. Please, give me your money. It's all clear. <laughs> I say, oh, you have credit? I need to use your credit too. <laughs> right? I think financially a lot of us understand what it's like to feel spread thin. Financially, when we start putting our trust in money, I need this much money if I'm going to survive. And we start to put our trust in money. Now it says here, keep yourself free from the love of money. But if money helps you do the things that you want to do in life, then aren't you going to do everything you can to go after that? Do you trust God? Do you know God as provider? Do you trust God to be provider of your every need? Yes, maybe. Not sure, still figuring it out. I get it. You know, it's hard. Because sometimes we think, well, I don't have the money, so how's God providing? What unmet needs do you have today? Have you gone to God with those unmet needs? Or are you doing everything in your power to make sure that you get what you need, but you're still relying on yourself? 
See, when we live that way, we start to spread ourselves thin. Right? We're trying to grab things that we don't have yet and make it ours. But if you know and trust God as provider, you don't need to worry. You don't need to stress. You could trust Him completely and your every need will be met. Okay? In His wisdom. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27. Do you you know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So in this passage, it's talking about self-discipline. It's talking about self-control, okay? Because the only things we really can control are ourselves and what we're doing. But even at that point, I think a lot of us have difficulty controlling ourselves, right? We have impulses, we have desires, we have other things going on, and it's difficult for us to control ourselves, okay? Um, Do you find yourself instead trying to control things that are out of your control? Let's look at the sidebar here. (coughs) Do you know people that are controlling? Do you know controlling people? Are they in your life? Yeah? Well, here are five habits. If you don't know, here are five habits of controlling people, okay? Uh, The first one, they know what your problem is before you tell them. Number two, they can't understand why anyone sees things differently than they do. What's wrong with that guy? Doesn't he know, you know? They have all the answers. Number three, they get angry when you don't follow their advice. You came to me for my help. I told you what to do and you didn't follow it, you know? You get what you get. They get upset. Number four, they have personal rules they expect you to follow. Like, um, you shouldn't be breastfeeding out in public, even if you have a cover. Right? They have expectations that they expect everybody else to follow. Um, Everybody should be on time. If you're five minutes early, then you're on time. But if you're on time, you're late. You know, they have these sort of expectations they want everybody else to follow. Number five, they don't see themselves as controlling. Are any of you guys controlling people? <laughs> Do you see yourself as controlling? <laughs> Question yourself here. A lot of the time, I think we do naturally. You know, when, when we're not trusting God and we're just trusting ourselves, there are a lot of things in our life that we want to manipulate. There are a lot of things in our lives we try to control, right? Things that really you can't control, the way somebody else is treating you. You can't control that. You can't make people be nice to you. You can't make people forgive you. You can't make people love you the way you want to be loved. Right? The only thing you have is control of what you do, what you choose to do. It's also important to note that self-control is part of the fruit of the Spirit. We cannot control anything but ourselves, and even that is made possible only by the power of God's Spirit at work within us. 
Have you ever tried to forgive somebody in your own power? You know in your head, you went to church, you went to Bible study, they said, love your enemies, forgive them, you know, pray for those that curse you. It's hard. And you try to forgive them in your own power. You're not relying on God for that. So you try to do things. You go out of your way. Okay, I'm going to be nice to them. I know I have to forgive them, so I'm at least going to come in front of them and, hello. Yeah, you say hi with a smile. And then you, you walk away and you're like, wow, I, I, I smiled at them. I feel good, you know, in your own power. Then you come back again and the other person's like, oh, how are you today? They catch you off guard. And you're like, um, I'm okay. Good to see you. And you run away. Because a lot of the time we're not prepared. We're not able to stretch ourselves, right? We're only in control of what we do. Okay? And whenever you try to do something in your own power, it's very difficult to forgive somebody else. I know what that's like. I'm sure most of you understand what that's like as well. But when you're unforgiving, doesn't it feel like you're dying a little bit? Don't you feel the stress? Don't you sense that anxiety that creeps up? And you feel like you're stagnant, like you're not really living for God, right? Because in essence, we're still relying on ourself, and we're still serving our own self-interests. You know, when the Bible says, forgive one another, psychologists will say, it's good if you forgive. It's good for yourself. That's true. But that's not why we forgive. It's also for the sake of that person you're forgiving, right? It's about reconciliation. It's so much more than yourself. Now, I know I've been guilty of this. I've been told there's someone that you hate, there's someone you're holding a grudge against. People tell me, just forgive them. You'll feel so much better about it. And that being the only reason, right? And I would forgive them. I did feel better about it, but there was no... It still came from me. It wasn't real. It wasn't true. I was just choosing to be indifferent toward that person instead of loving them. See, that's what God does in our life. When he meets your need, the need for forgiveness... He doesn't just help you feel good about it yourself. Right? That need is truly met when it comes from God. If you keep spreading yourself thin, trying to please other people, trying to be a friend to everybody, in your own power, you spread yourself thin. There's not enough of you to go around. You start to feel tired. You start to feel like you have nothing left to offer. And then you go into hiding. Let's look at Proverbs 1, verse 32. Uh, we have both verses here um, from the New Century Version and the New International Version. Fools will die because they refuse to listen. They will be destroyed because they do not care. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Waywardness. Where's your focus? You know, earlier today when we were singing, we are talking about worshiping God, setting our, our, our hearts on Him, setting our focus on Him, because all we want to see is Him and what He wants. We want to know Him more, so we got to focus in on Him. When you're living your life, do you want to know God day by day? Yes? Where's your focus? If you want to know God, are you focused on Him? Or are you looking some way wayward? Are you looking somewhere else? See, because waywardness, when we're not focused on God and traveling in His path, 
The waywardness of the simple will kill them when we don't have focus. When we say God is irrelevant, when we say, you know what, God's not really acting in my life, so I gotta take matters into my own hand, we go wayward. Okay? And complacency of fools will destroy them. Some people feel, well, I have Christ in my life. Yay, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm good, and then we sit down, and we're complacent, and we don't mature in our journey, and we don't continue on searching God, and seeking Him, we just, we grow complacent. And that's a foolish way to live. Okay? Destruction comes that way. And this is how we spread ourselves thin, with waywardness and complacency. You'll feel the stress. You'll feel that you're about to snap. You'll know that God's not holding you together because your focus isn't on Him. Okay? You're doing things in your own power. But the good news is, We have a God who is powerful. We have a God that wants to help you out. He doesn't want to see you snap. He wants to see you thrive. He doesn't want to see you die. He wants to see you grow. He wants you to live the life that he's been promising you. And he does this by stretching us. By stretching us. Our next section is called Stretching Out. In the book of Exodus, are you familiar with the character Moses? Moses, okay, when he went to Egypt and um, the Lord was with him, the presence of the Lord was with him, and the Lord commanded Moses, when you go there, I want you to spread, stretch out your rod or stretch out your hand. And the plagues started to come. So miracles were happening in Egypt and God sent plagues in Egypt as Moses would stretch out his hand or stretch out his rod. Another time that we see God's power flowing, have you heard of the crossing of the Red Sea? So Moses was commanded by the Lord to stretch his hands out and hold out that rod and point it out toward the water, and the power of God came and blew the waters apart, and we saw a miracle happen. See, when your arm is stretched out, there's power. When you're doing nothing with it, It's complacent. Okay? The hand or arm has power when it is stretched out. To stretch out the hand denotes the rule of power. Okay? And in the Old Testament, we also read all these verses, like in Ezekiel, where it it talks about God stretching his hand out over his enemies. And, And God had the victory in those because his power and his might came in those situations. Let's go to Jeremiah and Isaiah as well. We have a few verses here. Jeremiah 27, verse 5. With my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people and the animals that are on it, and I give it to anyone I please. Verse 32, verse 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. 51 verse 15. He made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. I love that. Stretched out the heavens by his understanding. What a visual. Let's look at Isaiah 40 verse 22. 
He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. 42 verse 5. This is what the Lord God says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads spreads over the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. So here we're reading all these passages that, about how God created the heavens and the earth and all that is within them by his outstretched arm. Okay? Creator God. Let's not take it lightly. All things that we see God has created. The stars in the sky, the planets, all the universe God is creator God. Who has the power and the might to be able to create all that we, all that we see. Right? Only a powerful God with his outstretched arm, he's able to do this. He enlarges the boundaries of heaven and fills its inhabitants with life and wisdom. Only God is able to do that. My wife and I have a very large collection of books. Books, books, and books. And we could read and read and have so much knowledge Right? And we can know a lot of things about a lot of things when we read them and we try to teach our boys, look, we have books here, boys. Read the books. Right? It's just head knowledge. All the books, everything you do in your own power to try and gain wisdom will not come to you. True wisdom only comes through God's Spirit. Right? If you rely on yourself to know God, to have wisdom of God, you cannot do that in your own power. It only comes by God's Spirit. Is God spread out and stretched over your life? Is God's power flowing to your life to help you know Him more? Or are you still relying on your own understanding of theology? Are you still relying on your own interpretations of the Bible? Let's look at Matthew. Chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out and lift you out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Now, looking at this story, it just says that Jesus went to the synagogue, and there was a man who happened to have a shriveled hand, right? Did the man ask to be healed? No, he was just sitting there. Right? And, and the Jews are trying to trick Jesus and say, oh, is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus sees the opportunity. He sees the man sitting there, the man with the shriveled hand. And Jesus goes up to him and he commands the man, stretch out your hand. It's interesting that this miracle that Jesus is doing here is using that very phrase of stretch out your hand. What is he going to show here? He's going to show God's ability, his might, his power to heal. 
This would glorify Jesus in the moment because Jesus is bringing this healing to the man's shriveled hand. So Jesus told the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. The man did what Jesus said and it was completely restored. Some of us are still waiting to, to know God's power in our life. And, and God has he's given some commands to us. He calls us and he's asking us to stretch out our hand, to trust him, to, to reach out to him. But how many of us are obeying? How many of us are trusting? How many of us, like this man with a withered hand, stretch out to Jesus? Why did Jesus tell the man to do this? Could he not have just reached out his hand to heal the man? I could, I could come up if Rexy was sitting here with a withered hand and I was Jesus. I could just say, oh, I see you have a withered hand, be healed. But Jesus wanted to make a, a point here. He wanted to show everybody there's a bit of faith in that man. When he stretches out his hand, life is going to come to him. He knows, he reaches toward Jesus as Jesus commanded, and healing was going to come. How many of you trust that God could heal your life? We seek God and we want His blessings and God wants to do something in your life. But when God calls you and He commands you and He says, draw near to me, seek me first, how many of us are seeking Him first before we seek the other things? Are we wayward? Are we complacent? Destruction will come. But if we stretch out and reach out to God and press into where He is and all that He is, only then will his power start to flow to your life, you see. Trust and obedience has been at the center of everything we've been studying this year. Trust and obey. You want to know Jesus? Trust him, obey him, reach out, stretch out your hand toward him. Let him be at the center of your life. Please. It could be taken away or, or we just stop experiencing it because we're not seeing him first. We're seeing other things. We're putting other things in his place. Yeah, that's good. God's healing, restorative power came to the man as he obeyed the command of Christ. Some people wait on the power of God to come to their life, but they are sitting in complacency and disobedience. Right? Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 9 to 10. But he said to me, my grace is, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, 
then I am strong? I mean, we're living in a day and age, it's not good to show your weakness. You know, we don't want to be seen as weak, especially Christ followers. We feel that if we are showing signs of weakness, then we're not really glorifying God. We don't want to be wrong in front of other people, you know? They're like, I thought you were a Christian, where's your joy, you know? I thought you were a Christian, why are you still living like that with all your weakness, right? I mean, what sort of weakness is, is Paul talking about in this passage, He's not talking about sin. He's not talking about temptations. Those are not the weaknesses that he's talking about. He qualifies it in the the passage. The weaknesses are the insults that other people hurl at him because he's become a Christ follower. Okay, Hardships that come. You've experienced hardships in your life. You know what it's like to be weak. You know what it's like to not be able to muster anything up yourself. And you've had to look outside of yourself to get the help. Hardships, right? Weakness. Persecutions. Being treated unfairly because of your faith in Jesus Christ. That's persecution. Some people think persecution is, um, those people are saying mean things about me. They don't like the way that I dress and they're making fun of me. I'm being persecuted. That's not persecution. Okay? That's just people not liking how you dress. Okay, persecution is something else. Um, in a very mild form, okay, like most people would think persecution is you declare Jesus' name and then you get beheaded. Like that's clearly persecution. People being treated unfairly because of their faith in Christ. For myself, I, I guess I've experienced a different sort of persecution in, in our society here in North America. Um, for myself and my religious beliefs, you know, for me, I, I observed the Sabbath, right? And I had all these jobs, and I was really good at a lot of the jobs I had. I was moved up to management positions very quickly and right away at almost every job that I've had. And I know that I could do it. I, I was qualified to do things. I um, had a great work ethic. I would show up for work. You know, I was the guy working all the hours. I was ready to help my coworkers. I was going to be that good person for the, for the promotion, And you're working with all these people, but then they say, listen, um, we need you to work on Saturday. Because they know I've never worked Saturdays. And they're like, if you want this position, you need to work on Saturdays. I'm like, but I'm already pretty much doing the job and not getting paid for it. And they give it to somebody else. And I said, well, that's not fair. Why should I be discriminated against? Because of my religious belief persecution. They, they never stipulate, oh, you have to be here on Saturdays. They say you need to be here one day on the weekend. Right? Those of you who work in retail, you understand what that's like. It's busy on the weekend. You have to be make yourself available one day on the weekend. So I always worked the Sunday. And I was keeping their rules and keeping their laws. But more importantly, I wanted to keep God's law. You know, for myself, I felt convicted. I need my Sabbath. God gave it to me. I'm not going to let my job take away my Sabbath. It's for me. Right? God wants me to have this Sabbath. And you're passed up, and you're passed up, and other people get the positions, and you're still getting paid minimum wage. You know? It's a mild form of persecution, but it's still persecution because it had to do with my faith. You understand? 
But what purpose do these weaknesses serve in our life? We might think, God, why would God want me to suffer? Why would God allow me to go through this? Why am I experiencing this weakness? There are purposes for your weaknesses. There are reasons why you're going through the things you go through. When calamities come your way, when life throws you a curveball, it might be your health. It might be the loss of a life. Whatever it is that life is throwing at you, that curveball, weakness sets in. You start to feel it. Why is God letting me go through this? Why do I need to experience this? Satan has his purposes, but God also has his purposes for your weakness. Satan's purpose is to harass us. I mean, he harasses you, boy, is that a test. You know, Satan wants to get you down. He doesn't want to see you prosper. He doesn't want to see you, your faith getting stretched. He doesn't want to see God developing that faith in you. He wants to keep you feeling isolated, trusting in yourself, trusting in other things. He wants to see you go wayward or at least grow complacent. He wants to destroy your life. That's Satan's purpose with the weaknesses. But you know how God takes something that's meant for evil and he could turn it and use it for good? God could take those weaknesses in your life And he has purposes for those weaknesses too. He uses these weaknesses to humble us. You know what that's like? Have you experienced that? The weakness, it humbles you. Sometimes I ask God, I'm like, why? Sorry for getting a little personal here. But I'd ask God, why did I have to go through that sickness? I ask God, why did I have to experience my relationships the way that I did? I ask God, why did you allow my parents to go through their hardships in life and I was just a kid that had to live with that? I ask God, why have you blessed me with three beautiful children with autism? I say, God, you've given me so much and I can't do any of this on my own. People ask me, how do you do it? You know, with your heart condition, how do you do it? When your wife had her brain surgery, how do you do it? You have three young kids and every hurdle we got over in life, every storm that God took us through, more weakness comes. I prayed because I know I said, Lord God, I know that I am a proud man. And I pray and I say, Lord, have your way in me. I say, Lord God, I want healing in my life and this is how God does it. This is how he's doing it. You see, because he's taking away my pride allowing me to go through and live life with these weaknesses because it keeps me depending on Him. Because I can't do it on my own. I can't do it in my strength. And people ask, how do you do it? My wife and just say, my wife and I, we always just say, we don't. 
We don't do it. It's God that's doing it. You see, if we were to cower in our circumstances and become complacent or complaining, rather, we would be destroyed by our circumstances. The devil would have succeeded with his purpose, harassing us with life's weaknesses. But God uses those same weaknesses so that we could depend on him. So we would rely on him and learn to trust him more. This is how he grows our faith as a family now. It used to just be me. It used to just be my wife having our own spiritual journey with God. But when there's, when we come together as a family, God repurposes things. He makes things new and he wants to grow you all together and strengthen you together, not individually. The same thing in his body, friends. We're all part of the same family, you see. And it's not about your individual journey with God. You can't say, me and God, we're good. And you forget about the body of Christ. He wants to strengthen His body. He wants to stretch you and exercise you. He wants to get you to a place where you could stand and declare His name. How is God stretching your life and stretching your faith as you are part of the body of believers? It's not just about you anymore. God wants to humble you so you recognize that you need Him, that you need His family. You are not meant to journey alone. We need to grow together. And God will strengthen us together. If you want to be apart, away from the body of Christ, well, Christ is most concerned with, God is most concerned with His glory. And God will focus all his energy and put it in his people to stretch their faith. He's not going to try to stretch your faith if you're looking somewhere else for that faith. You could strengthen yourself with self-help books. You could strengthen yourself with yoga classes. You could go and do all these other things, but it won't be strengthened by the faith that God's giving you. Do you understand? When you feel weak, don't run to the other things. When you feel weak, you seek God first. You see, how is God strengthening you? In your weakness, God's purpose is to glorify the grace and power of Jesus. Remember, it was Jesus that was saying that His power, Christ's power, was made perfect in weakness. So when you're going through something tough, you could choose to complain. Or you could choose in that moment to be grateful to God because He is with you and He will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a promise in that. Okay? When you're going through weakness, you could say, Lord God, I know that you could be glorified in this situation. Help me see it. Don't let me see the darkness. Let me see the light in this situation. Christ's power is made perfect in weakness. Here's a question. How many of you want your faith to grow? Show of hands. Stretch that arm up if that's you. All right, because you know how it goes. we got to stretch, all right? Can't be complacent anymore, okay? Your body needs to be strong in Christ so you could stand for Christ, right? So if you want your faith to grow stronger, okay, God's going to take you deeper 
in your faith. And the deeper you go, having those roots in your faith, the further He could stretch you, you see. If your faith is shallow, there's very little to stretch, right? But you go through a hardship and God comes through and you start to trust Him more, your faith goes deeper and you start to get those roots. The deeper you go, the further out He could stretch you, right? And the deeper still you go, have you seen the trees before? A beautiful tree at the surface you see, over the ground. And you start to see it fanning out. But you know those really large trees? Do you know how big the roots are under the ground? It's unseen. The things unseen. God is focusing on those things in your life, the things unseen. You're trying to look for, how is God working in my life? And you're looking for the outside evidences of it. But God is concerned first with your inside. He's concerned with your heart, your attitudes. He wants you to trust Him and go deeper. And He's going to stretch you underground first. Sometimes we try to stretch ourselves on top with our behavior. You try to stretch yourself with our appearance. Look at me, I've stopped doing these evil things. Look at me, I go to church every day. Look at me, I started to sing um, Christian songs instead of the worldly songs. It's all out here on the outside with shallow roots. Right? What happens when weakness comes your way? That's a lot to bear up there, right? That tree will easily fall. It looks good on the outside, but it will fall. All right, Because everything that you're focusing on above the ground, that's pride. Those are things that you're doing by yourself. If all you're focused on is what's on the outside. But when God starts stretching your faith and working on the inside of your life, addressing the attitudes of your heart, He's looking for you to humble yourself before Him. He's looking for you to, to recognize that you can't do it on your own. Right? He's looking for you to soften your heart to receive Him into your life. And He'll grow you deeper and deeper. And the deeper your faith goes, the further He stretches you. Eventually, it becomes evident. But what's on top of the ground, it won't be your life. It will be Christ's life alive in you. You see? It declares Christ in your life. It's not about you. Alright? So I'm standing here today... Yeah, my name's Tim, but who cares? You know, God has done so much in my life. I haven't done any of it, but God has sustained me, and God is stretching me, and He's growing me, and He's going to do the same thing for you too. No matter what you're going through today, my friends, God wants you to go deeper with Him, and He wants to stretch you further, not for your own sake alone, but so that He would be glorified in your life. Let's look at First Chronicles 4, verse 10. Ask God to stretch you. Jabez cried out to, to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. The prayer of Jabez, or the prayer of Yabetz. Yabetz consists of four parts. Let's look at those four parts. He's asking God to bless him. He's asking God to enlarge his territory. 
or increase his responsibility. He's asking that God's hand be with him. That's three. And number four, that he would be kept from harm and not experience pain. When you pray and you ask God for things, what sort of things are you asking for or how are you asking it? Are you asking for things that are just for yourself to serve your own self-interests? You know, there's nothing wrong with asking God for anything. If we're asking for the wrong thing, well, he won't grant it to you. (laughs) What do you ask God when you pray? Do you find yourself being egocentric and self-serving? Or do you pray for God's will to be done in and through your life? It's a scary prayer sometimes when we say, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Jesus prayed, Father, your will be done, not mine. And what happened with Jesus? He hung on the cross for all of us. See, God could bring you through some very difficult things. But what happened with Jesus as he hung on the cross to be given all the sin of the world put on him? Imagine the weakness that he experienced there on the cross. But God's resurrection power was made evident through Christ's weakness on the cross as he hung. Defenseless and beaten, he was there. But God's power has never been shown more than at the time that Christ died on the cross and was resurrected again. Do you ask God to stretch your faith? Do you ask God to grow your faith in Him? Be prepared (laughs) for when you pray that prayer because God will allow you to go through many things to teach you how to humble yourself, to teach you how to rely on Him. And these are good things because when you trust God, You won't fear anymore. When you rely on Him, you don't need to doubt anymore. When He calls you to do things that seem impossible, you can trust that the impossible is made possible through Him. What is God calling you to today? Is He asking you to take a step closer to Him? I find that whenever I want to draw closer to God, there are other things in life that pull so much stronger to pull me away from from focusing in on God. More opportunities. Oh, these good things are happening. This is great. And you want to enjoy it. And you start to go to those things. But they're pulling you further away from God. You find yourself getting weaker and weaker still because you're not strengthened by God there. No matter how weak you get and the circumstance you find yourself in, no matter how far away you go from God, remember, you just have to turn your eyes back to Him. And He says, child, you've gone too far. And He stretches out His hand towards you when you seek Him first. 
my boys like to run. And not just run, they like to run away. And it happens all the time. So I call them by name. If they start running and they run out of the house through a door that's supposed to be locked, and they start going down the street and into the park, and they're getting further away, and I see them, I start to call out, Tavi! Tavi! And you know, this boy, he doesn't speak, so he'll just turn around, look at you, and he keeps running. And he gets further and further away. I start chasing after him. He's my son. I love him. And I want to make sure that he's kept safe. Because he doesn't know any better sometimes. So I run after him. And the more I run to him, the further he runs away. Right? Sometimes he starts to face a scary situation. He might see a stranger or a dog and he'll stop. And then he'll turn around and face me. When I get his attention, because he's come across something challenging, then I, I just hold my hand out. I don't call him anymore. And I say, okay, bye-bye. My hand's still toward him, but the language he understands is, bye-bye. If I say, come here, that has the opposite effect. So, But I put my hand out, and to him, that's my command, come. Right? And he comes willingly after you say, bye-bye. Because he doesn't want to be left behind. In our life, in our spiritual journey, it could be like this. We might behave a lot like my son, Tavi. We might start running away because we just want to play. We just want to have a good time. We just want to get out there. But as soon as hardship comes or a challenge we're faced with, all of a sudden we realize, I can't do this on my own. Let me turn and look for help. If you turn your eyes toward God, he promises to be your help. And as he helps you, you know what? He's stretching his hand out toward you, and all you need to do is come. Obey. Right? Let's look at Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. In Matthew 7, 8 to 11. Out there. So with this passage, this uh, committing your ways to the Lord, and he established your path, we could pray and ask God for anything. We could pray and ask him to stretch us. We could pray and ask him to give us a, a better business, right? We could pray and ask him to help us in our endeavors. But if your endeavors and your business is all about you and your prosperity, and it's not about God, then why would God grant that to you? If you're seeking God and you want God to stretch your faith and work with you, well, he's not going to send you down the wrong path. He's not going to give you all the riches of the world just so you could turn around and say, oh, thank you, God, I'm rich. Sometimes the prayer of Jabez, the, the difference here with his prayer is that he wanted God to stretch his to stretch him so that he would have greater influence for God's kingdom. He wasn't praying for himself, and he said, enlarge my territory. It sounds like that, if that's all that we're looking at. But he's saying, give me more responsibility so that I could be a greater influence for your kingdom, for your purposes. 
What do you pray for when you're praying to God? Are you running away like my son so you could have your own way? Still doesn't know what he's doing. And it's still up to me to help protect him when he doesn't know what he's doing. What did my son look for when he turned around? Was he looking for help? I don't know. If you don't know what you're doing in your life, God sees that. And he's just waiting for an opportunity for you to turn toward him and stretch your arm out toward him. Remember Jesus and the man with the withered hand? The man didn't ask to be healed, but Jesus commanded him and the man obeyed. What is God commanding you to do today? Maybe your faith is still shallow, but there is a command for you. He's saying, seek me. When you seek him, you find him. When you seek him with all your heart, that means you do not stretch yourself out to anything else. You give your heart to him. That's how he stretches you when you seek him with all your heart. If you don't know what you're doing in life, God knows that you don't know what you're doing. And he knows that at some point, you're going to hit some hardship and it's going to make you turn around. You'll probably start looking for him. Okay? Did you find Matthew 7? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, those who seek find, and to those who will, who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So ask, seek, and knock. These are all action words. It, it shows effort on the seeker's part. They're pursuing something. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. They're pursuing something. Knock and the door will open. It shows your place and bringing you to something else that you don't have yet. Right? When you start praying and asking God for things, are you asking with the right motive? Are you asking with the right heart? Are you asking like Yabetz here so that God would be glorified and for his kingdom purposes? Or are you just asking God for things for your own self-interest? You can ask God for anything and God will give you what is good for you, right? The question is, are you stretching out toward God? Are you believing and trusting that he is powerful and able to work things and all things good in your life. A lot of the time, we don't think that we could ask God. We try to show God, look God, I'm, I'm, I'm reading my Bible more. You know, you want brownie points, you want affirmation. Um, look God, I, I helped somebody today. Those are all good things, but you're just focusing on your behavior on the outside. Right? We think we need to prove ourselves to God before we could take part of his powerful presence in our life. You don't need to prove anything. He says, leave your life there, and I'm going to come alive in your life. You don't have to prove anything to me. I want to show you what my power can do. He says, all these efforts that you're making to try and look like a better follower of Christ, 
It's worthless to God if it's not fueled by His Spirit. You see. Do you want more of God's Spirit in your life? Then He's got to take you deeper. And He's going to take you wider. He's going to stretch you out. And the more His power comes into your life, your life alone cannot contain Him. All right, But He's going to bring you deeper and He's going to take you wider and He's going to stretch your territory. And God wants to use your life to reveal Himself to the world around you. Let's look at Matthew 14, verse 22 to 33. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of Him to the other side while He dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat had already gone a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Is it a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear? But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I love this story. I love this story for so many different reasons. One of the reasons that I find first is that after Jesus was there with the people, you know, it's like he needed a break. He didn't want to spread himself thin. Right? He knew he needed to recharge, so he went to the mountainside by himself alone to pray. And just to spend time with, with Father God in prayer. He needed to recharge. See, we have to do the same thing. Even though God could be using you for many things, it's important that you stay connected to Him. It's important that you take the rest. It's important that you do things the way He wants it done in your life. Don't try to overserve to prove that you're better than other people. Because you're serving, 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 and then you burn out. If you're burning out, I guarantee you, you may not be doing it the way that God wants you to be doing it. Okay? You're spreading yourself thin. So that's one thing I find comfort with when Jesus went and prayed by himself at the mountainside. Another part of the story that I really like is when they see this man walking on the water. Is it a ghost? I mean, you've never seen anybody walk on water before. It's crazy. It seems impossible. And they see that it's Jesus. And what Jesus does is he calms them first. Hey, guys, relax. Don't worry. It's just me. Don't freak out. And he he comforts them. Don't worry. It's I. I'm with you. Peter, curious, he says, Oh, Lord, Lord, If it's really you, call me to come out to you. Tell me to go to you. 
See, Peter wants to do something. He wants to take a step of what is impossible. He wants to take a step into something that is just supernatural. He wants to take a step toward Jesus and is calling him out of the safety of that boat that they're all relying on at that moment. And he believes, I could leave the safety of this boat because amongst these waves, oh, I'm still afraid. But he takes a step toward Jesus and he's not afraid as he steps out of the boat. A lot of us might be like Peter in that. We start our journey with Jesus and we think, this is going to be great. I've taken a step out of my crappy situation and God's brought some new life to me, but that new life doesn't mean it's without storms. See, as Peter started walking on the water, he saw the winds blowing and he became afraid again. He started to doubt and his focus wasn't at Jesus anymore. It was on the things crashing up against him, the the weaknesses that come your way in life. All these things start to crash over you and um, God could still stretch out his hand to you. Sometimes we start to drown in our own situations and circumstances. And as we're going down, we realize how far we're falling from God. But what did Peter cry out? Lord, save me. He trusted that Jesus could still save him. You see, he started going down in the water. Lord, save me, because Jesus is still there doing what seems impossible, walking on the water. No matter how impossible your circumstances might appear today or any circumstances you're going to be facing later in life. Remember, Christ still stands and he could do the impossible. Can you trust that? He wants to strengthen your faith. He wants to stretch you out and he'll call you out, taking a step closer to him, even if it means stepping into the impossible. Remember that he will carry you through that as he stretches his hand out towards you. It's easy to trust God when everything's going smoothly in life, isn't it? We say we trust him, we sit there and everything's good and cozy, but the minute things get a little bit rough and God's calling you beyond your comfort zone there, Will you obey where he's calling you? Sometimes it means leaving a a difficult situation. Sometimes it means walking away from someone that you love with your heart, but God's calling you away from that person. Sometimes it means making tough decisions. It means giving up a job because what you're a part of is not glorifying him. You want your life to glorify him, yet you're working for something that doesn't glorify him. He might ask you, he'll remove you from that situation, and he'll say, child, you want to love me more? you got to give that up. It might be finally making a lifestyle change, you know? You're addicted to something. There's something you're doing that's not pleasing to the Lord, and he says, you want to love me better, child? I want to clean that dirt out of your life. you got to let it go, and he will stretch you. He wants to take you out of the boat that you're so comfortable in. He wants to take you away from all the other things that you're relying on because he wants to teach you to humble yourself and learn to love him, trust him, and follow him. Do you want God's power to be known in your life? 
stretch your hand out today. When you worship Him, when you pray to Him, we pray to Him with lifted hands. Because He is powerful and able to do all things. We acknowledge Him when we raise our hands to Him. Remember, when the arm is outstretched, there's power. Let's worship God together. Here I stand forever in your mighty hand, living with your promise written on my heart. I am yours, surrendered wholly to.
for making us your family, O oh God, that we could rely on you and call to you our Father. We want to trust you. We want to love you more. Strengthen our faith, O oh God. No matter what we're facing in life, help us remember that we could always trust you. Help us be ever mindful of your presence in our lives, that we never take our eyes off of you. We want to walk with you. We want to talk with you. We want to live for you, O oh God. Won't you come and deepen our faith, stretch us out. Take our lives, Lord, and have your way in us. May you be glorified. Be ever exalted, Lord God. We live to glorify your name. We love you, O oh Lord. As we leave this place today, help us remain in you and trust that you are remaining with us, O oh God. And we long for the day that you return, that we could live with you for all eternity. From our hearts to the heavens, Lord God, be the center of our life, the center of your church. It's all about you. Amen. Amen. Reach out and give someone a high five today. Stretch those muscles. <laughs> you can also stretch your hands out to your wallets as it's time to return tithes and give your free will offerings to the Lord. 
And may your giving and your power go far. Sometime in the next few weeks, we are going to be having a gym night. Okay, so yay, time for socials, games, and just a lot of uh, good fun fellowship. Okay, we will confirm the date with you on our Facebook page and here as well. Any, there will be a massage therapist that's coming to help and uh, give some massage, therapeutic massage for your unstretched muscles. Um, so come on and uh, make sure that you remain connected with us on our Facebook page, on our Facebook group. Okay, so um, you don't miss out on any of the announcements and the studies. If you want to stay for fellowship lunch, please do so. There's plenty of food, and we'll see you next week. God bless you. Peace. Strong in my heart, it's strong in my soul. The song I was born to sing, it's your song of freedom. My life, freedom.